Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of the Self Love Club podcast is brought to you by Taylor Skincare. Because skincare is about self-care, self-love, and boosting your inner confidence. The Self Love Club, a place where boss babes share their stories to empower women. Welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. I'm your host, Belle Crawford. Hello, Self Love Clubbers. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. I'll tell you more about this week's guest and what we're going to cover very soon. But first, a favor, if you don't mind, one way that you can hugely support us is by following at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram. You'll get daily self love, self care notes. You'll get inside info on episodes, teasers, there's giveaways, heaps of goodness. And most of all, love being able to connect with you, see where you're listening to the podcast. You can tag us in your story so we can see that there as well. Also, if you're really enjoying the content, another way you can help is by giving us a good review on your podcast app. That means that other people can find the podcast too. Right, Jessica Giljan Brown, also known as Wellness by Jessica, is a holistic nutritionist, author, and women's health expert specializing in hormones and fertility. Jess interned and worked for Dr. Libby before starting her own practice, trained in herbal medicine internationally before starting a clinic in London, and is now based in New Zealand. In this episode, we talk about how our nutrition affects our hormones, the real truths of the contraceptive pill, what it does to your body and what happens when you come off it. We're so lucky to have Jessica share her wealth of knowledge and tips for us on the Self Love Club podcast. Jessica, welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. Thank you so much for coming to hang out today. Thank you for having me. Tell us about yourself and what you're all about and what you do. I am a holistic nutritionist and I've been doing that for the last seven years. I have a major focus on women's health, um, everything to do with fertility and hormones and all the problems that women face. Holistic means that I look at the whole body. I don't just look at your food intake. I look at all aspects of your life, including your lifestyle, your self-care practices, your food intake, and then look at all of that in conjunction with what's going on inside your body. Mm, and we'll talk more about that soon because I don't think people realize, unless you delve into that space a bit more, that food really is linked to those area especially with hormones absolutely so we'll go down that line in a bit which will give people some advice and ideas but take us back where are you from what was your childhood like where did you grow up I grew up on the north shore um, I spent my whole sort of childhood there and then once I finished at Rangtota College I took off to the UK where I was living for a year did the classic kind of gap year situation yeah. mm. um, London no I wasn't I was in the south um, for a while and then came back to go to university so that's where I studied nutrition. And mm -hmm. it wasn't actually then that I fell in love with nutrition. I kind of went to uni with, with this idea that I wanted to be a nutritionist. But I'm going to be honest, I don't think I really knew what a nutritionist was mm. until the very end of um, university. <laughs> and that's when I was like, oh, yeah, this is actually what nutritionists do. And it wasn't right until the very end that I got into women's health um, because of the job I had after university. And then I worked in nutrition for a while for somebody else and before 
leaving again to go to Europe and living in Switzerland in the UK. So I was in London most of the time and did a lot of extra study there around women's health and herbal medicine and sort mm. of the whole integrative side um, of nutrition and using it in conjunction with other medical practices and other practitioners, which mm. you know is kind of new to New Zealand. So, What sort of led you into that space? You say that your first job out of university was in that area. Yep. What drew you towards the women's health of, uh, area of wellness? I think when I left university, I, I always had the plan to go into pregnancy. Okay, that was kind of my original idea, my original interest. And then when I was working with Dr. Libby Weaver, um, who is a doctor of nutrition, it wasn't until I worked with her that I was like, oh, actually, there's a whole bunch of steps that happened before that pregnancy mm. can even occur where women were actually needing the support. And that's what I found a lot more interesting was helping women get to that point of getting pregnant. Because when I first started nutrition, I didn't realize that so many women had so many hormonal issues and had so much trouble getting a regular period, even to to get pregnant so it was it was only then when I realized that is actually where women need the help and that's what I became interested in and that's mm. where it all started mm. so what was your first job out of university once you graduated I was working with Dr Libby on her team um just as a general what an epic do first everything. job like yeah, we've was. had her on before I've interviewed her a number of times um in radio as well yeah incredible woman must have been an amazing mentor for you to have yeah she was her and the, and the whole team really because there were yeah. a few other nutritionists there as well uh, to start with I did everything yeah, you know, I bet. Because you were the classic you were the first brand job, new, yeah. yeah, the junior. Eventually went on to helping with her, you know, books and online programs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually I decided I wanted to work with patients one-on-one. Um, so I needed to go into yeah. a bit of a different space. And that's when I started Wellness by Jessica and started seeing people one-on-one. So, And was that yeah. on the side of a, of a job or did you just being brave like a yep. lot of people on this podcast do? Yes. Like just taking a leap and do, you just did it? I did, yes. Wow. I did. Took the leap, just decided it's now or never and went out on my own. So I started in Auckland and then very quickly I realised that okay, I have a lot of good training and, you know, I had a lot from that first job, but I needed something more. And that is actually when I went to Switzerland mm-hmm. um, and was there for a while and then went on to What were you London. doing in Switzerland? So I was I was working sort of as a herbal medicine intern, if you like, mm-hmm. and um, Switzerland is very much the home of herbal medicine, Yeah, um, especially that sort of Western herbal medicine. So They grow a lot yeah. of the herbs there, right? They do, yeah. and it's very much integrated into their standard sort of GP practice. So a yeah. lot of GPs will use it. And apparently, like, dispen- you can, you know, like... Dispen- yeah, go to Um, And it's very normal for you to say, go to your GP and then them give you a prescription for a herbal tonic. And so instead of going to the pharmacy, you'd also go to the dispensary. It would make things a lot easier if we could do that. Yeah. 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 So you were training in that and then you went to London. What did you do when you went to London? Uh, I was working as well. So I had a, had a clinic and I was seeing patients in London and, um, wow. So you were, so you went to London and you were seeing your own patients. Yes. And studying at the same time. Oh my goodness. (laughs) How does that all come about? Like, do you just, do you just just get a few? I know, but like, to go to it, like it's one thing doing it here where you mm. probably have family and friends yep. and, and everything, and you have mm. a network and everything, but then over there, like I know what you mean. I, I spent a month there working yep. and I could definitely spend way longer and you do start to make those connections and Mm. and meet people and 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 it just all works out but to start from somewhere and then all of a sudden having clients it must be quite amazing watching it happen it was it was also quite nerve-wracking so Mm. I did have another sort of part-time job nannying and things yeah that was a good fallback but I was quite lucky to have some good contacts there and you know what the sort of Kiwi Australian network is like in London everybody really does and Mm. so you kind of go there if you say you've got a new business or you're looking for clients people just jump on and exactly they're all in for it yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yes, and it just a, worked really well. That's good. And there's a huge demand. I mean, 
yes. everyone has health needs yeah. or you know like we need to issues. sort things out exactly <laughs> yeah. especially when I guess it comes to women with their fertility mm-hmm. And I often hear that people, when they're wanting to get pregnant, that's often when they'll start paying attention to their hormonal health. Yeah. So is that an area you started focusing in on as well? It was massively because for a lot of the clients that I was seeing, probably there's been a real shift, I think, in the last couple of years. But say, for example, four years ago, women would really only think about their hormonal health when they yeah came off the pill to have a baby. Mm. Now I am seeing a bit of a shift in the women who are sort of 24, 25, thinking, OK, I don't want to have kids now, but I might want to have kids in five years. What? do I need to do to make sure I can do that? Mm. I think even just looking around a lot of my friends, a lot of them are looking into IVF because it's the only option or they feel that that's their only option because they want to have kids now. And they've sort of left it and left it and ignored these hormonal issues and signs and possibly just covered things up with the pill. And then they you know, they have to deal with it at some point. Mm. Yeah, Because when you, I think a lot of us listening may notice from ourselves going through it, but when you do come off the pill, I did years ago, it was probably like five or six years ago now that I came off it. And you do, your whole body like has to learn to do everything you know, your skin can be horrible. Yeah. You'll just be like feeling a bit. I had really low progesterone, so like a hormone yeah. imbalance, and it was really horrible. And you're not really expecting that. You know, you just go on this thing no. when you're in your late teens or however old, in your early twenties. You're not told. You're just like, take this. Da da da. Obviously, it's to it's a contraception. Yeah. Some people get put on them to regulate periods or whatever, yeah. mm-hmm. and then you come off it. And I just don't think we're ever told until that you're in that situation, which can be really horrible. Yeah there's not a lot of information out there about it as well I found that women are getting put on the pill they're not really told how it works or explained no. to them exactly what it is doing they're just told you'll have great skin or you won't have horrific painful periods anymore yeah. and of course if you're the 16 year old girl with cystic acne you're gonna think great yeah because all you want is clear skin exactly. you do whatever like but if nobody explains to you that actually this is completely switching off your hormones it's shutting down your progesterone production completely so is that what the pill does it does yeah it switches it off so that you don't pop an egg out every month because that's how you get pregnant. So if we shut off that egg production, that's how it works as a contraceptive. Yeah. Then there's no egg, then you can't get pregnant. But yeah, you shut off that progesterone. That's your happy, calm, content hormone, which is women. So basically, about. when you're on the pill, you have no progesterone. You have zero progesterone production. So which is when, I, yeah, because that's like when I had a really bad progesterone problem. That's they were like, yeah, you. There's no way you could get pregnant. That's why you feel depressed. Yes, that's exactly why. So sometimes you come off the pill and ovulation just doesn't start up again. So you have no periods, or maybe you might get the odd one. But yeah, nothing's that's regular. What to me. That's low progesterone simply because you're not ovulating. Therefore, you're not making any progesterone. Sometimes you'll start ovulating, but still that progesterone production will be very, very low and it wouldn't be enough to maintain a pregnancy right. or to start that. See, why process. don't we get told this? Like, why do they... It's not explained to anyone. Like, I understand that, like, contraception is very important. Yeah. And, like, yeah. you know, always consult your GP or mm. your health practitioner with any health issue or yeah. any advice on those sorts of things. But why are they still putting on us on this if it does this to your progesterone? Because mm. you need that to be able you to do. function properly it and is, feel happy and, like, normal, and you know? Normal, and it's good for, you know, preventing different cancers and... It, it has so, so many effects, not just for that pregnancy and fertility mm. picture. And I think we sometimes forget that fertility is not about making babies. Mm. Fertility and having good fertility is what you should 
have as a woman, that is your right as a woman to have those hormones and to have everything in balance, not just for when you decide you want to have a baby at 30. You yeah. actually need those hormones starting to kick in from 14, 15. Oh, yeah, I feel your girlfriend. That's yeah, a bit like, it's, it's so unfair that on like a biological level, we're yeah. our most fertile at 15, which is generally when most of us are not thinking about having children. No. And then when you get to a point where you're like, yeah, I want to, which now it's a lot later for us because yep. of the way we're living and the, our lifestyle and mm. everything and not like everyone's doing it as early as they used to. Mm. And it's a heartbreaking thing seeing now our friends. I didn't realize growing up how common infertility and yeah. miscarriages are. Like it's miscarriages just are very, it's very so common. heartbreaking. Yeah. I've got so many friends who have gone through them even mm. recently, and yeah. it's just so sad. Yeah, miscarriages are relatively sort of normal. Okay, so quite often we think it's such a horrible thing, and it is. It is really horrible mm. and emotional for sure. But it is very common, and it is. It's a natural process. It's just because we don't talk about it because women always think, oh, it's my fault that you know, I had a miscarriage, I must have done something, I wasn't healthy enough or something. And often that's not the case. It mm. is just nature taking its course and pregnancies are not always meant to be. Yeah. Um, but it can be especially heartbreaking when you've spent six or 12 months trying to get of to that course. point of it's getting pregnant. It's so sad. Mm. Yeah, it's heartbreaking for it a couple when all they want to do is be parents and it they've is. had multiple, you know. Yeah. So when a client comes to see you, how does that process work? I guess everyone has their own individual like mm-hmm. issues or areas they want to work on. How do yep. you work with people? What normally happens is women will come and see me. We talk for about an hour and I want to hear all of your sort of health history, what's going on in your life, big major events, any time that you've been very unwell. Um, we talk in depth normally about their periods, especially if they're non-contraceptives, and talk about their plans for the future as well. Because if you're someone who wants to get pregnant, say, in six months, that changes our timeline of treatment. If you're someone who is maybe 25, you don't want kids for another four or five years, then you know mm-hmm. things are not as urgent. Then I look at um, hormone tests and blood tests and looking at your sex hormones, look at all your nutrients, things like iron and zinc and B12, mm-hmm. all the basics, thyroid function, and then we go from there with treatment. So everything mm-hmm. that I do with women is personalized to of whatever course. situation is going on for them, yeah. as well as their lifestyle, because even if somebody has sort of very, very similar health issues, your lifestyle versus the other person's lifestyle could be completely different mm-hmm. and allow for different treatments. So yeah. it has to be personalized. And going back to food and hormones, mm-hmm. How does food affect our hormones? Well, your hormones have to be made from something, okay? So that's something as the things that you're eating. The nutrients that you eat get turned into those hormones. And the things that we're eating, especially things like caffeine and alcohol, disrupt the way that those hormones are made or the way that they're detoxified. You need to be making sure that you've got good food coming in to allow for your liver to work properly, to detoxify things like especially estrogen in women. Because when that builds up, we end up in that estrogen dominant state where that is the hormone that is sort of overpowering everything else. And we can see a lot of issues. But also making sure that things like blood sugar controllers sort of going well because otherwise we start to push out a whole bunch of stress hormones and that then shuts down ovulation Mm. and progesterone production. So I don't think women realise how sort of tightly controlled ovulation is in that process of popping out an egg each month and food really plays into that. Mm. What sorts of foods are helpful when it comes to things like producing an egg or being able to have a healthy cycle and Mm. ovulate 
First of all, you need to look at the liver detoxification foods. So those are all of your brassica veggies, so all of your broccoli and your cauliflower and your cabbage and Brussels sprouts, yeah. all those all sorts good of things, greens. all the good greeny stuff. Um, making sure you've got enough fibre because fibre is what actually traps all that estrogen in the gut and carries it out. So making sure that you're having good bowel motions and lots and lots of fibre, lots of fluids to keep that going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the foods that are high in vitamin E and zinc and B6 for that egg production. So you're looking at beans and lentils and nuts and seeds and and red meats and things if you eat those and shellfish we'll get back to the rest of our episode with wellness by jessica soon but first a word from our sponsor taylor skincare amongst the chaos take time out and pamper yourself with natural vegan and cruelty-free skincare that actually works all taylor skincare products are natural cruelty-free eco-conscious and made in new zealand the oil cleanse has been a staple in my bathroom for years. It's so good and it smells so nice as well. You can support local and grab your own self-care gems by using the code BELL, B-E-L, for 10% off at checkout. A special treat just for you, self-love club listeners. Treat yourself. You deserve it. Right, back to our episode with Wellness by Jessica. Tell us about your book, because you have written a book. Well done, because that's one of, (laughs) I always think it's one of the biggest achievements anyone can make, because it's so much work that goes into that. So tell us about your book. So our book is called Grow Younger with Great Food. I wrote that with Dr. Catherine Stone from The Face Place. We both had a big interest in food and how food sort of heals the body from the inside out and how it can help you grow younger. So for us, growing younger is about looking great as we age, because, you know, we all say it's not about how we look, but let's be honest, we all want to love to look you want to look good and we want to look up yeah right (laughs) um and it's about growing younger on the inside as well so Mm. making sure that when you're you know 30 40 50 60 and beyond you can still lead the life that you want to live we Mm. don't want people to be restricted by disease or because their body doesn't work how it should so our book was very much aimed at helping people get in all of the nutrients they need to prevent disease and help their body function optimally yeah Mm. that's the thing I think when you get to a point like maybe your mid-20s 30 you do start to care you start to think you're like oh god why did I like I think a lot of us we thrashed our bodies in yep. our teens and 20s we do, yeah, when yeah. it came to food or alcohol or not getting enough sleep or, mm-hmm. you know, multiple weekends of partying. Yep. And then you start to care and you're like, oh, and then the things you care about, like your, your sleep schedule and drinking enough water and eating yep. enough greens every day. Like, I know that sounds really sad, but those are things that are kind of a priority to it me, is. you know. And it has to become a yeah. priority because if those things are not a priority, at some point you're going to hit that wall where you actually can't perform you can't mm. do your job well you can't care for your family very well and your mood is a mess and everything just kind of starts to shut down if you don't look after yourself properly mm. Mm. what are some ways I mean it seems like common sense but what are some ways we can on a day-to-day weekly basis look after ourselves mm. better and care for our overall health I for me it always comes back to food it has to mm. I think for my clients the number one thing that they change when they start working with me is food prep and I know that sounds really boring Mm. but actually making some time to make some food that you're going to enjoy that is going to nourish you has got to be a priority Mm. because it doesn't matter how many sort of pills and potions we put in or even how much sleep we get and things like that or how much meditation we do if you don't have the nutrients coming in your body can't build anything it can't repair anything it can't do those jobs it needs Mm. to do so getting back to basics learning to cook you know five or six different recipes that are easy and that can be your go-tos for when you're tired exactly you know and it doesn't have to be expensive 
expensive, crazy health food. It just needs to be the basic in-season vegetables, nuts and seeds, and Sometimes some proteins in there. Basic. I made a really basic meal last night, and I was like, oh, this is quite basic. But basics can be really good. It's you know, good. like, yeah. I don't eat a lot of meat, but I needed some red meat, and I yeah. ate my veggies, you know, like, my good fats. And, yeah, like, yeah. you just need to make good, nourishing food. Exactly. It's so important. I think, especially now, we're seeing all these, like, fancy different options, and yep. we're all trying to make things a bit more interesting, and I feel like mm. sometimes basics is sometimes good. Sometimes basic is good, and that's what we show people yeah. in our book, is that actually all of these simple seasonal ingredients that you know what they are, they're mm-hmm. not weird new superfoods that you need to travel the earth to find. Yeah. They're all just standard stuff you can find at the supermarket. And it's about actually learning how to use that stuff, yeah. um, how to cook with it, and sort of how to lay out those meals, which is what Kat and I really go through in our book, is who suits higher carbohydrates, who suits lower carbohydrates, how to actually put a balanced meal together with the fat and the protein, the veggies, yeah. and explaining to people what those serving sizes should look like, but also how to be flexible on it because not one sort of style of eating is going to suit of course and so everyone is very different but for you what are some of your go-to meals that you will work between you know like you say you have those five or six meals that you get really good at making what are some of your favorites mine is super basic you know people think because you've got a cookbook that you must cook all this fancy food all the time you definitely don't um my go-to's like today for lunch i had eggs and veggies that were in the fridge so it was just like mushrooms and tomatoes and kale because that's what was there yeah and two fried eggs it doesn't have to be crazy fancy i think being resourceful is really smart as well it's like what's there doesn't have to cost heaps of money like food can be really expensive yep so just yeah use what you have in the fridge and use, use, on, on use special it up. and in season yeah. yeah and for me you know fish and green veggies and sweet potato fries oh my god it's at least once i make week. them all the time <laughs> they're so yum yeah and otherwise just a big salad where you have to use the mixing bowl because none of the bowls in the house are big enough yeah and then you just put anything that's in the fridge in there yeah. leafy greens leftover roast veggies use cut up, up steak whatever chuck it in mm. and then my chocolate chip cookies which are in the book <laughs> i've been making those for really a good five or six years now oh my goodness um they're a they're a solid go-to yeah because you need something yeah a little sweet treat in the afternoon and I like those ones because they're made from almond flour so they're very filling that's good I couldn't sit down and eat the whole container but then if I made them out of white flour I would would eat the whole pack what are some of your other go-to self-care practices Mm. ways that you look after yourself sleep is a big one for me trying to exercise and getting out of the house going to the beach as well is a Mm. a big one and also something that I've learned to do this year probably is saying no <laughs> I know right it's actually yep. really hard it is hard and you to just say no to put those boundaries in yeah because sometimes when you do say no people don't like it they and don't they'll always just like it keep trying no. and you're like no thank you like, yeah you just say you know sometimes you do just have to be super strict because the way I think about it is if I'm saying yes to something that means I'm saying no to something else mm. and or some, you're like saying no to your like you're saying no to your boundaries but also mm. maybe your time to have some downtime exactly we're all working so hard yeah. Maybe you just needed a little bit of extra time yeah. for yourself or to rest and regroup, yeah. you know? Even just the boring stuff like that meal prep, like going to the supermarket, exactly. doing your washing, and all it that all boring stuff that has to happen. And time. Yeah. And so just saying no to things that I'm not really stoked about doing. You know? Yeah, I agree. It's hard because I think sometimes we are sort of having to do certain things because, you know, we've got to work or do whatever mm. it is. But then when you actually do say no, the things you want do come in because exactly. you're like allowing that space. space. For it. Yeah. 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 So those are some of your big go-to self-care practices. Mm-hmm. What are some things you do 
when you've been quite stressed or any challenging times, Mm -hmm. how do you sort of navigate those times? For me, it was always buying a plane ticket somewhere. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm with you. After a breakup, I'll generally, not always because I travel a lot, but generally I'll always book a trip. And it's honestly the best way to get over it. Getting on a plane to go anywhere else is my go-to. I'm trying to rain in the need to just flee the country yeah and since New Zealand is a little bit far away from everything Very much compared so. to like, like living in London 30 hour trip to yeah. to Europe you know, it's, it's not so easy is it far for, for a weekend yeah but still getting out of Auckland yeah um, just getting out and just having a bit of a different perspective on things turning my phone off getting off social media because as much as I love social media and it's a lot sometimes you know yeah I feel like lot. we're overpowering our brains with a lot of information yes you just gotta you have to put it down sometimes and then getting back into the kitchen I love cooking and mm. um that is a good time for me just to chill, just do whatever I want to. You're focusing on doing a task rather yep. than what's in your head. I think that's the thing I like about cooking is it's taking your mind out of thinking too much mm. and just into what you're doing. You have it's to like do a, it. yeah. it's a mindless task, but you just don't think about it. It's meditative and just doing yeah. your thing. And prepping your food. Yeah. and Taking yeah. your time to do it. And it's not a, like a mad rush Monday morning breakfast. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. What is some advice you would give to your younger self? I think my younger self... I don't, I don't actually have sort of any major regrets or anything I didn't do then. It was always very much book the plane ticket, go overseas, even though all of your friends are at university and you're thinking, oh my gosh, am I doing the right thing? I would say just go with your gut because mm. it worked for me every single time. Yeah. Even if people, even if, you know, your best friends and your parents are like, uh-uh, go to uni, this is a terrible idea, don't flee the country again, I think just do it. Yeah. You always know what's best for you, so yeah. go for it. Yeah, you're mm. so right. Listen to your gut. You mm. know what's best. You know Even it. though you might be a bit scared and unsure, just try yep. it out, see what happens. If you listen, I think you can always tell the difference between, like, actual f- fear and knowing, no, this is not a great idea. Yeah, exactly that fear right. Fear is always sort of mixed with excitement, which yeah, you can only feel. Exactly. Yeah. When you talk about like always, you know, like booking a plane ticket, was <laughs> that like, were you in search of something or did you just not like want to be here all the time? I think I was. I was so excited to leave New Zealand at 18. It was just the most exciting thing ever. And, and that's I a loved really it. brave thing to do that young. I think, I mean, I know a lot of people do it. Yeah. But I remember moving cities in New Zealand. That was a huge big deal for me. Mm. Like, moving to the other island in New Zealand. Yeah. I was like, oh my a goodness, you know? Yeah. But to do that on the other side of the world at 18... It was, I think I was kind of looking for something just more exciting than my standard nautical yeah, life fair in Auckland. Enough. Yeah, And I think once Good I had you. a taste for that at 18 and that kind of freedom that comes with mm. living in a country where you barely know anybody and you can literally jump on a plane and be in Spain in two hours, Yeah, that's very hard to give that up. Oh, yeah. You know? so People, even, when, yeah. Their, when their years in London are up, my friends come home talking and screaming. They're yeah. like... No, like not yeah, ready, you know. Not ready. It's really hard to get a sponsorship for unless you've got like a European passport. Yeah. Um, I was lucky that it was very much my choice to come home. I yeah. really wanted to sort of set some roots down for my business. And Fair enough. I knew I didn't want to be in London forever. Like I love it. I really mm, do. Same. But I couldn't see myself sort of, say, raising a family or living long term. Yeah, exactly. And that's, again, mm. you knew what was right for you in that yeah. moment. And so just listen to that. I understand as well because, yeah, like London is a great place, but it, you you know, you just know if places are right for you or not. Yeah. And of course, when it comes to a business, you've got to think about where your network okay, is. Yeah. Where's your network? What's your long-term goal? Yeah. You know, exactly. like, especially with something like what, what you're doing, it's, I mean, of course you can do that wherever you go, mm-hmm. but building that in a certain place and then having yeah. to move it, that would it doesn't like, quite you'd, you'd start again a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I was kind of thinking. I was like, okay, do I really settle in and make London home? But it just, it wasn't quite providing the right lifestyle I wanted. Yeah. It's very difficult, I think, to stay 
well in a city like London? Even when when I was there, I was there recently and I was, you know, I didn't really go out and drink a lot. Mm. I was, I'm very into my yoga and meditation and Mm. I was doing a lot of that while I was there. But it's just the lack of sleep often you get because it can take quite a while to get home. Yeah. People generally stay up quite late. Yeah, they do. I was working late and staying up late and then like not getting enough sleep. Mm. And I find all the socialising revolves around drinking or going out. Yeah, and like even during the week, everyone's just going out so many nights. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I was like, (laughs) back in New Zealand, everyone's in bed by like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock during the week. No one's going out. No one's, So quiet. It's very different. So. It was just a bit of a lifestyle thing. Yeah, fair enough. New Zealand was always home. So. Yeah. What yeah. are some things that you would like to do going forward? Some things Ooh, you got planned? Ooh. I do have sort of big business plans for next year. That's this exciting. year has very much been focused on the book, which has been fantastic and amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think next year I really want to focus on the fertility side of my work. I've got a couple of courses launching next year just to be able to fr- provide that fertility and preconception care to such a wider audience mm-hmm. because not everybody has the privilege of working one-on-one with a nutritionist. So I want to be able to provide that to a whole bunch of people at sort of at the same time and create a bit more of a community because like you said, you've got so many friends that are struggling with miscarriages and trying to conceive and there's not really a big support network for that. No, and like you say, not a lot of people can afford or say, for example, they're not in the same city as you or yep. someone like you. Yep. They're not able to get to you. No, yeah. And they're having these issues. Yep. And then what are they supposed what to do? do? So, yeah. so some sort of other outlet would be really helpful. Yeah. Mm. And I think where women can kind of support each other and talk about their struggles and things, that's a very helpful platform as well. Mm. So I have a lot of clients via Skype, both here in New Zealand and sort of worldwide at the moment. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's not always an option. And yeah, exactly. People really love that kind of group environment as well. Yeah, for this stuff. definitely. Mm. What is some advice you would give to women who are wanting to? Perhaps look after their health a bit better, something they're really focused on. I know that's quite a general question Mm -hmm. when there's so many different specifics, but what would be some advice you would give to them and where they start? I think where you should start is just assess what is actually causing you any issues. Kind of listen to what your body's saying. It sounds very cheesy, but your body is always sending you signals, whether it be the acne that pops up before your period, the constant cystic acne, whether it be your hair falling out, the crazy sugar cravings that you cannot resist at 3pm, all of these are are symptoms. So kind of listing those off and just actually getting a bit of a picture of what your health is about Mm -hmm. and then getting some testing done. Yeah. So going to your GP, asking for those nutrient levels to be checked out, ask your GP, am I ovulating? You know, get those blood tests done. And if your GP can't help you out, then seeing somebody like myself who can Mm. actually understand what all that means and get you back on track. Because quite often my clients, some of the women I only see two or three sessions and that's all they need. It is just an education so that they can actually figure things out for themselves and take care of themselves. Being a nutritionist isn't about me doing everything for you and you needing me for the rest of your life until you, you know, get pregnant or whatever. It's getting guidance. It's the guidance and the education, how your body works, what actually is going to work for you and then going off and taking care of yourself. Yeah. And what would be some advice? I always ask this question as well, that you would give to women that want to do epic things like Mm. you're doing. Like, what would you tell them? You just have to do it. You have to expect that you are going to stuff up and fail miserably. Chances are you're going to become broke. <laughs> you're going to get tired and fed up. But just know that it's worth it. And I guess finding something that you're actually passionate about. Because I've seen friends go into business and, you know, they're excited about the business side of it. But what they're actually doing doesn't thrill them. Mm. And that's not enough to carry them through all the stuff that actually gets really hard. So doing something that you're crazy passionate about and just yeah. going for it. What have been some of the biggest lessons you've learned in what you're doing? Uh, Often probably, we learn from, like you say, yeah. stuff ups or things that don't always go that right, which aren't, it's not the worst thing at the end it's of the day. It's not the worst thing because no. you do figure things out from it. I think 
where I've come unstuck is not believing in myself enough and getting scared, being chicken, pulling yeah. out before it actually works. And I think there's been a few times where I've pulled out or cancelled or fled the country um, <laughs> before something actually takes off just because I freak out. And so I've definitely learned just to hang on a little bit longer and then things normally come together. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for your time today, Jessica. Really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Love Club podcast. Please subscribe for weekly episodes and catch up on apps you may have missed. Reviews and sharing the Self Love Club with your friends and on your Instagram stories helps heaps in spreading the self love message. You can keep up with the Self Love Club at Self Love Club Podcast and at Belle Crawford on Instagram. Plus, find resources and blog posts on my website, bellcrawford.com. We've got heaps of boss babes coming up to empower you through the rest of the year with weekly episodes available each Monday. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.